Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Woo Curious Podcast, your map to the mystical, your key to the sacred, and your guide back home to yourself. I'm Eileen, a writer, a spiritual coach, energy healer, and slow living witch. And I'm Ellie, a sacred sensuality facilitator, a spiritual coach, and an anointing priestess. This podcast is your invitation to explore a world where the mundane and the sacred intertwine. It is a haven for those ready to take the first steps into the realm of magic and mystery, providing a safe space for you to embark on your own enchanted journey. Here we'll unveil the whispers of the mystical, the rituals often hidden in plain sight, and the ceremonies that will stir your soul. We're all about demystifying woo and witchcraft, making these ancient practices accessible to all. So whether you're a seasoned seeker or simply woo curious, we are here to guide you on your path to self-discovery, healing, and empowerment. So join us as we light the way and invite you to rediscover your true essence. Welcome back, Woo Crew, to another episode of the Woo Curious Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eileen, here with my co-host, Ellie. And today, the topic du jour is alchemy. And we're really excited to dive into this and talk about alchemy in the context of your daily life for the most part because that's what we do here we weave the magic into the mundane and isn't that what alchemy is that transmutation of the mundane into magical experiences and things but first as per usual we are going to talk about our magical moments Ooh, and before we get to that if you're listening to this on monday in the morning when it comes out there is still time to hop into our patreon community for today's Witch's Corner, Ask Us Anything, Q&A, come into the coven, come get to know us better, come let us get to know you. It's 11, 11 a month, we have a Q&A every month, we've got book club every month, that's happening next week, we're reading Women Who Run With the Wolves this month, and we've always got a new moon card reading, and we're dropping in more and more bits and pieces. Card reading has turned into ceremony, so if you need a little more ceremony in your life, (laughs) it's the place to be is inside the Patreon. So as always, there'll be a link down below. And Ellie, what is your magical moment for this week? I want to speak to this moment in time this weekend where... I looked at my family, which are, you know, we have a handful of dogs, a handful of cats, my lover and I all living under one roof. And I don't know if you've ever experienced the deep love that comes from just like acknowledging who you have in your life and how grateful you are. And I literally, we were laying in bed, the dogs are all on the bed. It was like this Sunday morning, just this morning ritual where everyone's together and they're all play fighting because, of course, as soon as they come up onto the bed, it's a wrestling ring and (laughs) somebody's got to go get a chew toy and somebody's got to go get a stuffed toy that they can go chase. Like there's just, there's just everyone's character really came forward. And I sat back and I thought to myself, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. This Mm. is more than I could have ever dreamt of in a family. And as we continue to grow our family, it is just the most magical thing ever to look back and go, look at us. 
<laughs> Look at how far we've come. Look at us. Mm, I love uh, yeah. that. That was my magical moment. It was just a, a great, a great morning, a great Sunday morning. That's lovely. I have definitely had that experience before. It, it happens every now and then for sure. It's funny what popped into my mind. And so I'm going to talk about it as you were speaking to that. This is an old magical moment. <laughs> this is several years ago now. But as you were speaking, it just vividly brought back this memory that I have. And it's the place that I go whenever I do any kind of like mindset exercise where it's like, remember a time when you were just so happy, like really present and full of joy. And it is me lying on my living room floor, having had probably a little too much to drink. Maybe there were some fungi involved. <laughs> and... I was in my new house after I had left my partner. I'd found this little house. It was me to a T. It had slanted roofs in the upstairs. I still live there. Now I own it. <laughs> slanted roofs in the upstairs. Not one, but two clawfoot bathtubs. When I lived with my ex-husband, we had no tubs at all. And so two clawfoot tubs, a gas stove, a farmhouse sink, and I had my housewarming party and all my friends were there. One of my friends was playing records on my little turntable and I was just laying on the floor like, holy shit, life does not get better than this. We've made it. We've made it, folks. We've made it. And so anytime I'm feeling down or blue, I bring myself that back to that moment and it works like a charm every time. I love this. What a great, what a great memory. Thanks for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. It's the alchemy of remembering, of calling to mind, and of creating future memories. It's a perfect example for both of us here, both our magical moments of how we create magic in the mundane moments. Yes. Shall we dive into our topic? Let's dive in. Let's start. Will you tell us a little bit about what alchemy is? Yeah, I think that very much like other definitions that we've talked about for some things like what is ceremony it's kind of hard to put your finger on it what is magic it's kind of hard to put your finger on it alchemy is similar to that but essentially it's transforming and transmuting experiences in life in history alchemists were seen as similar to magicians and it was taking this prima mata or this primal matter or, you know, first matter and changing it into something else. And often in history, we think of alchemists of turning coal into gold or into diamonds for that matter. Nothing into something is essentially what we're doing. And we see this in our everyday through things like cooking you know, taking all of these ingredients and making something completely different. Mm -hmm. And in creating, taking our art supplies or, or a lump of clay and turning it into a bowl or, or a vessel of sorts, you know, the alchemy is really how we transmute and transform our experiences from A to B. That's a beautiful definition. And I love it. Something sprung into my mind as you were speaking. I used to go to an Indian restaurant and you'd order your food and inevitably they would come out with like a pretty crappy iceberg lettuce salad before the rest of your meal. You didn't order it. They just they would come out and the server would always say something is better than nothing. 
<laughs> and with that phrase, he transmutes this shitty salad into a great salad because it was free and something is better than nothing. <laughs> so that just... <laughs> It was the alchemizing server of Bubba Dubba. That's what it was called. Bubba Dubba. Bubba Dubba? <laughs> yeah. Bless. Yeah. But it really is. It can be that simple, right? And it can be a lot more complex also. <laughs> very, very much so. We see this, especially in priestess work. We see this in, in us as witches. And we see this in general as healers that this is all alchemizing and transmuting experiences or ailments or celebrations even from just a date to something that is 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 much more complex. Yeah, anybody who helps to imbue our experiences with meaning is performing alchemy. So anybody can do it. It's certainly the path of witches and priestesses and healers in very specific ways compared to the general populace but anybody can alchemize an experience or a, a meaning into something mm -hmm. and obviously the most easily accessible understanding of how this plays out in daily life how we practice is in the context of, of our daily routines and alchemizing them into rituals into ceremony, which we've spoken to many a time, but we're going to keep coming back to it because it's important to reinforce the things that we know. <laughs> so yeah, turning that experience of brushing your teeth from just, I have to clean my teeth to, I am cleansing my, my sacred vessel, right? The place where the speech comes from in my body is being cleaned by my teeth being cleaned. <laughs> my breath isn't foul because I've alchemized what's going on in there quite literally i love the term foul, by the way what, yeah. a good, what a good use of words yeah so yeah like you said about how every day anybody can really you know become an alchemist and i think that we are alchemists in our own life the difference between going about our every day to changing something into a sacred ritual is literally just intention, as you mentioned, and the intention can be put to anything. So as we like the alchemy really is about speaking in circles and speaking in riddle. And here we are in, it could be anything and anything can be, but we talk about simple rituals for transformation and manifestation are things like journaling, it's things like mindset, intentions, meditation. Meditation, especially, I found, you know, as a meditation teacher of the past, the the thing that people came to me the most often with was anxiety or feeling yeah. anxious about a certain situation. And watching the student go from shoulders to their ears, really hyped up about and amped up about the situation, if you will, let's call this a 10, and bringing them down to a two just through simple practice of breathing and attention to breath and maybe a changing their breath pattern, changing the way that their body sits in its natural state of like instead of shoulders up around your ears, shoulders relaxed, knees relaxed, hips relaxed. It is something that we can take this, you know, really amped up state and bring it into a more relaxed and calm state just through simple practices. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love the flash. I love the massive altar. I love the flowers everywhere. I love all of those things. And they contribute to the transmutation, the beauty, the the alchemy of the situation. And one of the things that we can really see for ourselves is that we often have the tools that we need already in our toolbox. It's just a matter of being taught how to use them. Mm-hmm. As you were speaking there, it struck me that to alchemize something requires, and to correct me if you see it differently, but requires either the addition or the subtraction of energy. It's like, you know, cooking, you have to have, you have to add heat. If you want to change the state of something, if we think about the really magical idea of turning coal into gold, for instance, they were never just like, waving a wand at it there was an an addition of energy there was playing around with elements there was taking things away putting things in and so this idea of being able to alchemize our emotional states right taking that energy that anxiety has because certainly it has a ton of energy in there and shifting it into presence into stillness into potentially productivity if you're wanting to go that route. Movement is another really powerful way to do this. Shaking is a great way to transmute fear into calm or just process emotions. But also if you're feeling low, we know that put it on your favorite song and get up and dancing. (laughs) It does an enormous amount to shift your state to change your physical and emotional and spiritual being and the way that it is. So there's all of these really lovely little tools, which we speak to in so many episodes because they're so powerful on so many levels. Yes, yes. I want to read from a book that actually we're reading in our, uh, in in, uh, 13 Moon Mystery School right now, which is called On Becoming an Alchemist, A Guide for the Modern Magician. And the book is written by Catherine McConn. But in here, speaking of energy, in here she says, so if you wish to change something, the first thing you must do is discover the true nature of your relationship to it. Then you will be able to see how to change it by changing yourself. This is the Mm. basic logic of alchemy. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's our relationship to the thing. This is why, you know, cooking something, you know, we can, yeah, we can make a chopped salad or we can make the most wonderful meal that we've ever tasted. And it happens to be, let's say example, your palate loves a chopped salad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not what I'm into at this exact moment. (laughs) (laughs) Not what I'm craving. But, you know, it's it's literally, it is this emotional, this energetic shift happens when we begin to realize, oh, for the example of meditation, oh, I feel my heart racing. I feel the tension in my body. I feel the shallowness of my breath. And then changing the relationship to it is really just, okay, let's see if we can open up the breath a little bit more. Notice mm-hmm. what that does to your body. Notice what that does to your mind. It's like we go in and we go out and we go in and we go out and we start to see that relationship through the lens of shifting our states. So yes, yes mm-hmm. to 
shifting ourselves become is able to sh- we're, we become available to a shift other things around us. Yeah. And yeah. And as you're speaking too, it strikes me, you know, we're talking about shifting out of negative spaces, shifting into having more magic in your world and perceiving things differently. But this also applies to shifting like towards something that you desire. I was listening to a masterclass today about upper limits in business because as everybody was listening to this is aware, I'm sure Ellie and I are entrepreneurs. <laughs> we hope you're aware at this point. But the idea of, you know, whenever you come up against your upper limit, it's because there's something in your mind that's afraid of what's on the other side of it at some level. And so it's, again, what is your relationship to that? Are you afraid of being uh, ridiculed? Are you afraid of being seen as greedy? Are you afraid of some of your friends being like, I don't have time for you anymore. Like, what is it that we're afraid of? What is our relationship to that next level? And how is it holding us back? And then the action is to shift it. This particular course that I was listening to, she was like, go into the emotion you would feel if that bad thing happened and feel it. Because by feeling it, you, you kind of disarm it, right? It's like, oh, well, I felt it and I didn't die. So <laughs> so you've transmuted that fear into like, okay, I have the tools to deal with even the worst case scenario. Uh, and that's a form of alchemy as well. And it helps to, to go after our dreams and to do the big, potentially scary, but very much worth it and rewarding things in life. I love this. Mm-hmm. Shall we talk about alchemy and ceremony? Yeah. Yeah, let's. Talk to me a little bit about your course, Light Witchcraft for the Woo Curious, and how you use alchemy in in the course itself. Sure. We don't do any ceremony in the actual course, but everybody who is in the course gets access to whichever wheel of the year ceremony happens to fall in and around the course. So there is that piece of ceremony. And when it comes to the wheel of the year, that is, it's almost alchemizing time, right? It's creating that meaningful pause, that taking on of the um, energies and the nuances of the season and flowing with rather than against which we so often do and in the context of the course the larger course one of the things many of the past participants have said to me was just this (laughs) re-magicking re-magicking of their morning routine that was a big piece Uh, we talk about sacred starts and creating prayer and ritual. And for a lot of people, that is that morning routine or ritual piece and that re-imbuing it with magic and also the permission to be curious and follow the thread. When mm-hmm. I created the course, I I kind of expected full-on newbies to be coming in, people who were like, I don't know if I believe in any of this stuff. And I had a couple people like that, but also I had women who, you know, they've got maybe more crystals than I do in, in a lot of cases. But one past participant had said, you know, she had kept her woo really tucked in tight since she was uh, in her early 20s. And this course gave her that sense of like, oh, I'm not alone. It's safe to explore. And and there's some, there's some knowledge to be gained here. There's little bits and pieces 
to pick up along the way. So I think that 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 is where the alchemy in this course comes from is the the permission. I I talk about permission a lot. We don't need permission. Like I don't believe we should have to need permission <laughs> for things like rest, for things like exploring our curiosities, for setting boundaries. But the reality is that it feels really damn good if somebody says you have permission to do this mm-hmm. it's like this oh right <laughs> it's almost it's more the reminder that than the permission itself but that's that is a part of the alchemy of unleash your inner witch is this permission and community i love as well with what you're teaching in this course is it's not about it's not about the ceremony itself. It's about the elements of ceremony. So that your tool belt is either filled up or you have, you know, new tools in it that you are able to take that and create whatever ceremonies you want. Because really, you know, a morning routine is just a ceremony. A sacred start is just a ceremony. It just looks different than when we're in group ceremony with people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that permission slip is is very much needed. I am I understand and agree that like we you don't need my permission, but hang on, I'm gonna give it to you because yeah. somewhere along the way someone has taken it away from you, and it's probably you that's taken it away from you. And yeah. so it's I think that it's really so important to be able to understand how you can really incorporate the tools that you're teaching into their everyday life because it just becomes like we we talked about this as as part of transmuting the experience this is just something that happens in our everyday life that we now bring more attention to yeah yeah I often say that you know I don't want my clients to need me for very long I want them to want to work with me and obviously going deeper into one-on-one is its own beautiful transformative space but I want to give people the tools to practice on their own and make the practice their own. So yeah, I'm here. Come on back. I got all sorts of goodies in my bag to, <laughs> to share with you. But also, if you just do this one piece, you'll walk away with the tools that you need to really a foundation for your practice and feeling more confident in it and feeling equipped to, to transmute your own life. I love that. Come on back. Mm-hmm. Come on back. Mm-hmm. The next ceremony I want to talk about. So some of the ceremonies that I host actually this spring, there'll be a, a made into mother ceremony that Ooh. happens. And I think this is a really key piece for women because the alchemy of moving from a maiden to a mother is a major transition in life. And often what happens is we don't either see it as that transition or we don't know how to see it as that transition or we don't acknowledge that it is a transition even. Mm -hmm. And so I find that we see mothers who are feeling like they don't know who they are anymore. They no Mm -hmm. longer have tools that they can cope. And so we see a lot of things like I can barely, I can't, I can't get this word out actually without rolling my eyes with things like mommy juice and coping mechanisms like that because we don't yeah we don't understand that we're not here to escape the role of motherhood we may need breaks we might be touched Mm -hmm. out we might all of those things can be true but when we honor the transition from maidenhood to motherhood 
we can now look at our maidenhood and, you know, understand that that is a period of time in our life. And mm-hmm. now that we've transitioned into motherhood and whether you have children or not, there is a marked, like children just enforce this transition. And at some point in your life, you create the transition yourself where you go, that was my 20s, is what we <laughs> often refer to it as. That was my 20s. And now that I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond, those were days that I can't believe I got away with sleeping three seconds, you know? Last night I slept 10 hours and I woke up feeling glorious, glorious. Yes. And I mean, motherhood, motherhood is going back to sleeping those three seconds when you have infants, but it's also understanding that this is part of the phase of life that you're in. Maybe I'm stepping into my chromedom with this 10 hour a day, this snooze <laughs> that I had. You know? My mother insists on 10 hours a night. Oh, it and is. has done since I can remember. <laughs> wow. That is that those are my goals. My my intentions for this new moon, one of the one of them was was to focus on sleep. Was to focus on rest. Yeah. So straight to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. And so the transition between maiden and mother is a big transition because oftentimes our mothers were not um, tuned into that transition and we feel regret or resentful towards children because we can no longer do be and have the things that we were able to when we were a maiden. Mm -hmm. And there is, there's that lack of societal honoring of the transition too which compounds it right there's you know oh like when are you gonna lose the baby weight and like the comments from media of like oh three days later and she looks like she never had a baby and I'm like well that's not okay that's actually there's something wrong there and, and even just that you know oh like how how are you not able to come out like it's been six weeks the fact that the states makes women go back to work at six weeks is a calling to me having been a midwife and that six-week visit was like most women were just kind of like is there air up here yeah (laughs) maybe not sure maybe not (laughs) and so this lack of societal caring and tending to the woman who has had a baby and has made that transition makes it so much harder because it's like society tells you you gotta go back to being normal like as if you could ever revert to who you were before you brought a human being into the earth and you brought up something curious around we also force women before they're ready to have children and I say this as a societal norm of like okay now you're married at 20 or Mm. whatever at whatever age and okay next comes baby and mm-hmm. so let's get on this. And I yeah, think that. about my parents married and they actually had children fairly late for a standard of the age they were. You know, they waited almost four years to have kids, which is a wild, mm-hmm. you know. My parents my- did as well. My mom always said, wait, like be married, have fun being married before you yeah. bring a child into this. But most people don't. No. And my, my brother, and I think about this now, you know, my brother and his wife got married and I think we're pregnant probably on the, the, the eve of the wedding, you know? And so they had, they had their first child before their first wedding anniversary. And I, I don't think that there are any, anyone listening to this, there's definitely no regrets there that I can see from my behalf, but 
either of you reach out if there are. <laughs> but <laughs> tell me different. And then we have, you know, the, I think that generation was just in a moment or that the, between the two of them, they were in a moment of like, we know we want to do this. We want to do this right away. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that my sister-in-law had said to me, like, all I wanted to do was be married and have children. And mm-hmm. she transitioned into that, into that role right away. And so we have this, this societal forcing of hurry up and get married, hurry up and have kids, hurry up your, you know, your biological clock, especially as women, it's, it's, it's ticking. And as somebody who's trying to conceive in her forties, I have disconnected from the medical system at large because of this belief, because Mm -hmm. of everywhere I go, the first thing that is out of their mouth is just a comment about my age. And I still, I'm like, I'm youthful. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I had, I had women who were like, oh, I didn't think I could apply because I was 40 <laughs> to midwifery care. Cause they're like, I wasn't low risk. Cause I was 40. I was like, oh my God, no, it's so enough, enough, enough. I, I had 46 look- year old clients like <laughs> enough. A, a friend of mine just had her baby at 47. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a healthy baby boy. And she, her her other son is 18. Like this is the second generation in the same family. You know, mm-hmm. I think that we've just forced women into having children and to move into motherhood before they're ready. And because of that, there is resentment that happens. Mm-hmm. And so the ceremony between maiden to mother is really all about honoring who you were who you currently are and how to really create the archetype of who you are becoming. Mm -hmm. And this Mm. is, this is really the magic and the alchemy of this ceremony because understanding who you were, we, we don't even, you know, as somebody has their first moon cycle, there's no honoring of youth that happens. There's just Mm -hmm. like, great. Like, get on with the next thing like okay 28 years see if it happens again yeah I'm I'm so privileged to be in spaces where I've had friends and other the healers that I trained with who've had children who were reaching their moon times and were honoring it and had prepared their daughters for this as being a joyful event and it was really celebrated in a beautiful way and it made me so sad for the fact that my experience was it was fine I wasn't scared like my mom was very open with and and like no nonsense about it it wasn't like this oh you have to be ashamed of it or anything but it also was just kind of like this nuisance right this nuisance Mm. that was gonna happen once every month my very first period no it was my second period we went to West Edmonton Mall with the band to the water park Wow. <laughs> I remember having, it was so tough having to learn how to put a tampon in for my second period ever. Oh my God, mortified. But anyways, that's not alchemy. <laughs> that's I, something. It is. It's, it's the lack from. Yeah. 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 It's that lack of, of any kind of reverence around it. I didn't, I didn't develop any kind of appreciation for my cycle until I was a midwife. And I didn't really start to be like, ooh, I actually 
can welcome my period and embrace those days until the past couple of years since I, I, I entered into healers training that I, I have finally been able to celebrate that piece of being a woman. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. I'm I excited think we for can... your ceremony. <laughs> yeah, I think that we can talk about birthing ceremonies, that this is also another ceremony that happens is tell me your experience as a midwife, what, what maybe you saw, or maybe what happened with uh, some of the births that you attended? I would say, again, it's an area where most people don't think about that piece, right? There definitely were the clients who usually they're planning on births if they were into the ceremonial side of birth and would have affirmations often they would have them ready to go to the hospital in case they had to go as well but just creating that sacred space it was the clients who of course the medical system labeled difficult because it was these clients that if we did have to go into the hospital for whatever reason, they were the ones who, you know, insisted on the lights down low, as if you need to see anything in a birthing room until the baby is born. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> unless you're doing an emergency procedure. Um, but they would insist and they had their boundaries. They had they would ask that if an OB was consulted for any reason, they would ask why and what's my alternative and what are the risks? And the and it was always like the, the difficult quote unquote clients. I freaking love them. <laughs> but ceremony around birth is really holding that sacred space and not interfering with it unless there was a real deep need. And I think different care providers are better at that than others. And obviously midwives overall, I think are but not every midwife is the same there either because we're all different and we all have different comfort levels and expertise but some of the most beautiful births I have witnessed felt ceremonial in that the woman was present in her body that is one of the things that marks a ceremonial birth is that the woman stays present she's Mm vary in her body so she might not be present to the people in the room but she's present Mm -hmm. in her body Mm -hmm. and it's peaceful when babe comes earthside yeah I have I mean I could tell stories about beautiful specific stories all day but (laughs) we don't have that kind of time there's one woman in particular that I follow on Instagram and one of her mantras is birth is not an emergency oh yeah this is not an emergency and pregnancy is not an illness. Oh, God. And for our next episode. <laughs> stay tuned. Anybody who folks. wants. Yeah. Anybody who wants a whole episode on birth. Let us know in the comments. You can re- respond. There's a poll on Spotify or just find us over on Instagram. We don't post a lot on there, but we are checking that account. We promise at the Woo Curious podcast. And yeah, let us know. We will talk about birth till the cows come home. All day long. All day. I'll talk about <laughs> the, the trying to conceive part of things. Yeah. <laughs> All the we can go science, we can go spiritual, we got it covered. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For today true. we're going to move on in the name of time. <laughs> but do you want to talk a little bit about the alchemy of of grief and death ceremonies? Yeah. 
so I what I love about grief and death ceremony is that we go from like death is so is so permanent, first of all, and it's so for some, even if it's even if it's like a long drawn out transition, it's still sudden. You go from being in your physical form to no longer in being in your physical form. And so this suddenness of of death sometimes creates, I'm going to say, more grief because there is no ceremony and and we see ceremony in you know a funeral is a ceremony in some capacity this is just the ceremony that is that is happening but the alchemy in the ceremony is where i think we are desiring more time in this mm. movement from you know presence physical body into and and imp- impermanence to the permanence of them never coming back you know and so the alchemy through this is really just understanding in ceremony that we always have access to our loved ones, no matter mm-hmm. if they are in physical form. And I'll I'll say the other day I was speaking to my mother and we're looking for a, a certain item that was my father's great, no, my father's grandfather's piece of paraphernalia from the war. And she said to me, oh, honey, the next time you're talking to dad, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it took me a moment of what she was really asking. She said, can you ask him where this is? And I was like, oh, of course I can. Of course I can. <laughs> and so I think the alchemy is is really rooted in, for ceremony through death and grief is is rooted in understanding that we have direct access to to our loved ones at any point in time and that we get to honor them as many times as possible and i really started to see this through one of the one of the gals that i dated you know many moons ago her mother had passed away the year before we started dating and every sunday her and her brother went to the to the mausoleum and they they brought her flowers and they brought like food or goods for her of some capacity and they spoke to her and when we came up to her plot she would say oh hey mom you know the first time I came this is Ellie I just really wanted to introduce you to her and I at that moment in time I was like what are we doing here what are we this doing? This is weird. This is <laughs> yeah. so, and yet it was so absolutely normal. Like, oh, hey, this is Ellie. You know, I want to tell you about her and she wanted to come see you. And I thought to myself like, wow, this is, this is really, really cool to be able mm-hmm. to honor our um, loved ones that have passed over in, in, in different ways. So we change our relationship. This is the alchemy of Um, the alchemical part of this we change our relationship from them being here in the present moment and in a physical form to something that is um no longer in the physical form so Mm -hmm. alchemy and ceremony is just a really beautiful way to honor these transitions in our life yeah I love that it is beautiful I feel like I speak to my grandmother more now than I ever did when she was alive that's that's the magic of of it and it's there's pain but there's also such comfort in knowing that that access is always there it never goes away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we've touched a lot on 
some of the deeper moments of alchemy that that we can craft or create that happen in our lives and also you know some of the easier ways to access it or to just weave it into our daily lives and the and the everyday it doesn't have to be big and complicated always this always comes back to letting it be easy letting it be simple letting yourself be right a fun way that you can play around with alchemy so when we think about manifestation when we think about intention setting and all of that kind of stuff that is a form of alchemy right it's imbuing those actions with intentions is what gives them weight and meaning and a fun way to play around with this is to work with symbols or sigils and I know that both of us were chatting before we came on about well like we're not really well versed in sigils but we've definitely both created some sigils in our lives (laughs) I'm thinking about you know secret messages written in code symbols in high school between girlfriends that's a form of alchemy (laughs) or if you like runes and perhaps you know some of the rune forms I'm actually really hopeful that we'll be able to get a guest on the podcast who's all she knows all about runes I gotta ask her but that carved into the side of a candle for your ceremony that's a form of alchemy or even choosing symbols. I don't know how many of you choose a sign from the universe, but that's, that's a pretty common practice in the manifestation world of choosing a symbol that you would like the universe to send you to receive if you're on the right track or if this is the right decision or what have you. And I had a friend who told a story about asking for a volcano as her sign. And then wow. I can't remember what erupted, but something in her kitchen or something like something. There was a volcanic explosion of sorts in her house. She's like, this was pretty extreme and and it still came. Uh, But that's a form of alchemy as well. I particularly love asking for symbols. And I also like this, this volcano symbol. My, I favor Okay, the, the, as the meme goes, like, I'm just waiting for a signier sign. I'm like, okay, the signier <laughs> sign is that you're going to send me an elephant. Right. Like, where am I going to see an elephant in here? And I think I've, I've told this story before about, you know, practicing my Duolingo. Oh, yeah. Like 1130 at night and one of the characters in the, you know, you've passed this level and there's an elephant. Hi, or the the time you were on your way to like a yoga retreat and the woman across you with the tattoo of the wolf on her chest. You're like looking out the window like, where are the wolves? Where are the wolves? And then it was like, here you go. Not where you thought it was going to (laughs) be. No, not what I thought. My wolfie. Yeah. So yeah, that's a fun way to play with it. And you can, you know, I know a lot of people who kind of have one consistent sign. It's always a sign that they're kind of on the right path or doing the right thing. But then other people practice or you could still have both where you choose a specific side for a specific goal or dream or purpose. And things like synchronicities, like angel numbers, those are alchemy as well. It doesn't harm anybody, but every time you see 333 or 444 or 1111, my personal favorite, (laughs) it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something right. Okay, cool. All is well. (laughs) And whether or not that's a sign from above, we all know that we think it is here but even before I did it was just this little reassurance that shifted my mood that alchemized how how I was feeling gave me comfort which allowed me to take action mm-hmm. which is so much of what magic is it's bringing comfort to allow you to take action with you mm-hmm. 
So we'd love to hear from you after you listen to this episode. Are there alchemical practices that you use in your life? That are you were you aware of them being alchemy? Are you aware now? Come find us over on Instagram, the.woocurious.podcast uh, and let us know or join our Patreon and come tell us in Q&A. <laughs> if you're watching the video, I just created a mustache out of my marker. <laughs> Shall oh. we talk a little bit about what's coming up for you? Mm-hmm. What do you have going on this week? Yeah, as we mentioned, I've got the doors open to unleash your inner witch. I had a wait list and then I decided, screw it. Everybody gets all the wait list bonuses. So there's no wait list. It's just come on in. Come on in. The door is open. At the time of recording, I am still planning and deciding what my two-part freebie masterclass is going to be, but that'll run the last week of February. That's all I know right now, but it'll be two days. It'll be free. I'll be talking about it next week. And you can find me at myluminouslife underscore on Instagram (laughs) to see, to keep track of what it is. It should drop this week. And then, yeah, I'd love, I'd love, love, love to have you inside Unleash Your Inner Witch, give you some of that alchemy of permission, of exploration, that sweet held container to explore all of the woo and imbue your life with a little more magic. What about you, Ellie? We have the doors open for just a few more days with Wild Woman. I have spoke about this program for the last few months, and it is just going to be a 10 out of 10 experience for anybody who wants to add more magic into their life, if you will, through ceremony and integration. And so Mm. we're going to, we're going to go deep. We're going to go fast and we're going to go far. And I can't wait for all of you to come with me. Well, integration is such an important piece and it gets missed so often. So I'm Mm. so glad you're providing that, that extra piece. And as always, links will be in the show notes below. And we look forward to speaking to you again this time next week yeah thanks so much woo crew bye